Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. Today, we'll be continuing our series in Acts. Good morning, everybody. All right, man, we're going to have so much fun this morning. Hey, Kate. We're going to have so much fun this morning. I, um, I'm going to try to contain my exuberance so I don't just totally overwhelm you. It's all natural. I'm just that excited about what we're talking about this morning. And uh, hopefully I don't just kind of blow your mind with my enthusiasm. We are waist deep into the book of Acts right now. Okay, we were wading into the depths of this incredible historical record of the Jesus movement in the years immediately following Jesus' death and resurrection. So when Jesus died, rose from the dead, he told his disciples, let's go to the graphic, he told his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Because Jesus did say that um, it's better that I go because the comforter is gonna come to you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Disciples are like, okay. And in all Judea, all right. And Samaria, that would have been weird. And to the ends of the earth, really uncomfortable. And as we go into Acts, we are just wading into the waters of this movement as it's growing. It starts right here in Jerusalem. And it just has these these concentric circles, this widening impact as it moves throughout this vision that Jesus predicted. And we really just see this verse from uh, chapter two of Acts, uh, or chapter one, being fulfilled. And right now, we, in chapter one through four, we see uh, the Holy Spirit coming down on the disciples, okay? And uh, Peter preaches his first message and 3,000 families begin to follow Jesus in the very place where Jesus was crucified. Peter begins, the disciples begin healing people, a disabled man's healing, but there's pushback. So there's persecution, there's death. Stephen is martyred and uh, persecution intensifies. And so these families um, have to scatter out of Jerusalem. And so they go throughout the world, but they don't go out afraid or intimidated. They go out and begin to talk about the things that they've been hearing and believing about Jesus to the world. And so last week, Mark was talking about one of those examples of Philip going into Samaria and we studied how as the, you know, Philip was sharing with these Samaritan towns and the revival that started to happen as people were coming to faith. And then we see Saul converted. He was a part of killing Stephen. He comes to faith. Things are now really getting out of hand when persecutors and Pharisees are coming to faith, right? But it's about to get crazier because Peter starts raising the dead. And then when you, if you think that's crazy, it gets even weirder because what we're about to study this morning is about when Peter goes to visit Cornelius, a Roman centurion who becomes a follower of Jesus. That is mind-blowing for Peter and for all the Jews. And then what happens as a result of that is that the gospel begins to spread throughout the Gentile world. And the Gentiles are anybody except for the Jews, right? So the whole world begins to hear the message about Jesus in all turns on the moment we're about to study right now. This moment, you could say, is the reason why you're in this room. 
So what's this kid doing? Are you ready for this? Okay. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse one, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously, there's that generosity thing again, to those in need and prayed to God regularly. And one day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. Now, this is not normal for Cornelius, so watch how he responds. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear because despite the fact that we may think that people 2,000 years ago regularly saw angels and it was a normal thing, it was not. It was as strange for him as it would be for you. So he's sitting there afraid and he's like, what is it, Lord, he asked. The angels answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Quick segue about generosity. It's... You know, you have your thing when it comes to movies, right? Like, you know, some of you are rom-com, you love romantic comedies. Who, who loves romantic comedies? Raise your hand. Yeah, you guys, we just, yeah, I like romantic, we just love romantic comedies. And some people are like, oh my gosh, not again, you know. For others of us, give me a good action movie. Give me Avengers. I don't want to think. I don't care if it makes sense. I don't care if the act, just give me some big sci-fi explosions and I'm super happy. Any, any action people? Come on, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. I'm there. Okay, we got musical people. They just love musicals. They love the singing, greatest showman. Any musical people? Greatest Yes, come on. You know, you, we all got our thing, the things that we love, but God, his, one of his favorite movies is like generosity movies. He just loves it. What's, what's your name? Hi, Louisa. Ryan. I mean, you can just see God in heaven going, hey, everybody, come here. You got to see this movie, Louisa Gets Generous, right here. You got to see this moment. And I just see God getting all his angels, and they're all looking at Louisa in this moment where she is just being generous, and she doesn't know of a man. God is up in heaven going, man, I love these movies. Look at her. And then he's just like, you know what, Gabriel, get down there and tell Louisa how proud I am of her. I just love what she's doing. And that's what Cornelius is experiencing. Your gifts, your generosity has been touching God's heart. So, God has a gift for you. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. So Cornelius sends two of his servants to go get Peter. And while they're on their way, verse nine, about noon the following day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he did what we all do at lunch when we're hungry. He fell into a trance. I know, it's like, what? <laughs> you saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. For a Jew to eat unclean food would have been repulsive. It would be like me saying, Louisa, you see that trash can? You see that half-eaten hot dog? Why don't we have that for dinner tonight? That's not a date night for Louisa. All right? I remember one time my son, 
just, I mean, we were just sitting there and as casually as you might, you know, eat a chip out of a bowl at a restaurant, my son pulled gum off the bottom of a table and just put it in his mouth. <laughs> now you know how Peter feels. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure. I have never, oh, I'm sorry. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Now, watch this, guys. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back. So Peter's like arguing with God. Have you ever had a good argument with God? Have you ever had an argument with God? I mean, that's when you know you and God are tight. You know, all those yes people, yes, God, yes, God. Yeah, come on, let's be honest. God wants a good argument once in a while. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate, and they called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. I want you to the top of your notes to write down three ways you see in this passage that God speaks or communicates with Peter or Cornelius. Just three. Come up with three right now. Go ahead and write them down. And as you're writing that, I want to make this point that in this passage, this whole scene could not have happened if Peter and Cornelius did not hear God's voice. Can you see that here? I mean, can you see that without hearing God's voice, the whole dynamic of this scene would have been impossible? And, um, you know, this is a, what, you know, a microcosm of the bigger narrative all, of all through Acts. When you study Acts, can we go back to that graphic real quick? When we, go, when we look at Acts um, and we're looking at these different moments, None of these moments could have transitioned from Jerusalem to Samaria, you know, uh, to the ends of the earth if God's voice was not active and dynamic and people were not willing to hear his voice and to obey what they heard. Hearing God's voice was not a peripheral accessory to the Christian life. It was a normal part of following Jesus. And it wasn't just the apostles hearing God's voice, even Roman centurions, the least likely people were hearing God's voice. It was like the X factor, the secret sauce in this whole movement. In fact, none of this could have happened were it not for that dynamic. And to this day, to the ends of the earth is being fulfilled in our time and it's only gonna happen as God's people continue to believe that God wants to speak to them. Here's the point of the message that hearing God is an indispensable part of following Jesus, okay? And uh, so, that's what I wanna talk about, hearing God. And I wanna just look at a couple key principles about what it means to hear God's voice from this passage. We're just gonna maybe for a moment, put aside maybe some of the things we've been taught to understand or believe about this idea of hearing God and look at what the text says. Last week, Mark talked about hearing God's voice as kind of like butterfly nudges, these, these sort of spontaneous thoughts that gently alight upon our mind and come alongside our thoughts. And he was talking about that in relationship to the spirit talking to Philip to go talk to an Ethiopian. There are these moments in our life that cannot happen, that won't happen. And that's what we're willing to let God talk to us. And we're willing to do what he says. 
Okay, but don't just take my word for it. Let's see what the scriptures say. I've got a couple principles. The third principle I'll get to next week, but let's hit the first two. In ver- let's start with verse 34 to 35. It says this, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Everyone say favoritism. favoritism. It's a really important idea but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Here is the first principle. When we start to talk about God speaking to us and hearing God's voice, God has no favorites. Everyone say it with me. God has no favorites. There are no favorites with God. What does that really mean? Well, on the surface for Peter, it means that God is not just opening relationship with him to the Jews. He's opening it to the whole world. People like Cornelius are beginning to enter into relationship with God, and that is blowing Peter's mind, because Peter is going to go with these servants. He's going to go to Cornelius's house, and he's going to tell them about Jesus, and when he does, he is going to witness the Holy Spirit coming down on Cornelius And not just Cornelius, but his whole family, his whole household, all his friends, and it's going to blow his mind. Cornelius is the last person Peter would have ever expected to hear God's voice. And he is so resistant to the idea that God would speak to them that he needs God to help him along. Because though it's in the scriptures in the Old Testament that God's going to reach out to the Gentiles, he doesn't understand that, and God comes along and helps him. This idea of favorites is a really profound idea because I think that we have ideas about who God speaks to and who he doesn't. I think we struggle with believing that God has his favorites. You know, maybe A, we we struggle to believe that God speaks to us today because God only spoke to the people who were writing the New Testament. He's only going to speak to the apostles. He's only going to speak to prophets or to kings. Or maybe we're able to believe that God is still speaking today, but not to us. He only speaks to pastors. He speaks to people of notable spiritual leadership positions. But not you, not me. Because see, For some of us, and for many of us, the last person we would expect God to speak to is us. But what Peter is discovering is that God has no favorites. And that's why Luke wanted to make sure, as a writer of this this story, that he recorded the moment when God spoke to a Roman centurion. You see, the Romans were currently occupying Israel. It was Roman centurions that flogged and whipped Jesus. It was Roman centurions that crucified Jesus. And it was Roman centurions who were executing the oppression over Peter's people and homeland. And God is communicating to Peter, I'm not just speaking to Jews. I'm speaking to the whole world now. And everybody is hearing me who is willing to listen and obey. So what does that mean for you and for me? This idea of favorites is a hard concept to grasp, right? Because we um, just naturally assume when we see God doing someone in someone else's life that, well, that's because they're this, that, and the other. 
you know, look at them. They're so amazing. But God would never do that with me. Or that's so extraordinary. God would never do that. But let me just play with this idea of favorites and this other idea of the fact that God so loves the whole world that he gave his son so that anyone who believes in him would not perish. Let's put these two together. What that means is God doesn't have favorites because he loves everyone in the whole world. And so if God loves everyone, then maybe it's that everyone is his favorite. Maybe that God has the capacity to make every single person his favorite because God's love is that big and that eternal and that powerful and that you are God's favorite. And that doesn't take away from the person sitting next to you who is God's favorite. You are God's favorite, and that person is God's favorite, and God is saying to Peter, Peter, I love you. You're the rock, man. You're my favorite. But man, Cornelius is my favorite. I want you to do something that's maybe a little cheesy, but I think, you know, we got in our head all these thoughts that are not from God, so let's speak some truth out loud into ourselves. And I want you to repeat a simple phrase. I want you to, in a second, repeat after me, and I want you to say, I am God's favorite. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. I am God's favorite. And you are God's favorite. And that is in no way at the expense of the person next to you. And it doesn't take away from the person across the room because God is speaking to you and he wants you to hear his voice. You know, but we disqualify ourselves. Yeah, not me, Ryan. And I can relate to that because, you know, a few years ago, I was really struggling in my prayer life. And to be very frank with you guys, I was at a point in my prayer life where it, it was really a non-essential. I remember one time in particular where for three weeks, I intentionally did not pray a single prayer on purpose. I'm a minister, I preach, but I, I just stopped praying to see what difference it would make. And I felt no difference at all. And I told my wife, I'm not praying and I don't feel any difference. Can you relate to that? I mean, for me, it was like when I would pray, if anything, to be honest, it was a little boring. And you know, and I would kind of fall asleep, my mind would wander, I'd be like, all right, I'm done. And it was just like a non-factor in my life. Can you relate to that? Okay, maybe not most of you, you're just on fire. Oh man, well, I'm glad I am the least spiritual in the room, that's good. In this, so I decided to commit to a season of six months of focusing on my prayer life because I was like, you know, if I cannot pray at all for three weeks, it makes no difference in my life. Oh man, something's weird. So six months, I just started just going all in on my prayer life and asking God about prayer. And one night, my wife wakes me up in pain. And I instantly get this thought that God wants me to pray for her to be healed. So I get on my knees, because you know, I'm reading all these books about prayer and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm getting pumped. I get on my knees, I'm like, God, you're gonna do it. And I start praying for her. God, heal my wife. How you doing, babe? Ah, it hurts worse. You know, and I'm just like, okay. Of course, of course, when I pray, it gets worse. You know, I mean, seriously. And so I pray harder. I clench my fists and squeeze my eyes tighter. You know, like, God, no. And I gave myself a neck cramp and my wife still only got worse. And, you know, I got a little selfish here and pretty soon I wasn't even thinking about my wife and her pain. I'm just in my pity party. Man, God, you don't hear me. I don't hear you. I thought I heard you. And I'm having a spiritual crisis while my wife's in pain. And I remember this moment because it was a moment where 
it crystallized how I felt about my relation with God. God, you know, you hear some people, but I'm not one of them. I mean, I really didn't even realize that that's what I thought because as a Christian, I knew all the right answers, but in my experience, it was clear. I had no expectation that God was gonna speak to me and that God was hearing me. And that was a hard thing to face. You see, we can have negative experiences with God in prayer where we thought we heard him. And, oh my gosh, we were wrong. Like a friend of mine who thought she heard God say she was gonna marry my friend. Turned out she was totally wrong. And you can just throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, like when you have a, maybe a bad dating experience and you decide to become a nun, you know, or a monk and just have a vow of chastity for the rest of your life. You know what I mean? And we can draw hasty conclusions from negative experiences and impose them on the scriptures and say, because I've never heard God speak to me before, because of this bad experience, I, you know, God just doesn't speak to me. And you put that on God and it's not God's heart. So what does Jesus say about this? I love to take things that I'm reading in Acts or the epistles and to go, okay, I'm getting this idea. What did Jesus have to say about it? Because Acts and the epistles are the application of everything Jesus did and said. So if we go to Jesus in chapter 10, listen to this, chapter 10. Jesus said, the sheep recognize his voice. He's talking about himself as the, the shepherd. The sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And you can see that with Cornelius. Literally, it says in what, is it uh, verse Verse three, he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. He leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. Four things I want to highlight about what Jesus is saying here. Number one, Jesus places the ability to hear his voice into all his sheep. He puts it into them. God gives the ability to a sheep to hear his voice. Number two, you can literally see this sheep voice dynamic with Peter and Cornelius. It's not simply a metaphor or an abstract idea in the general sense. It's personal, it's dynamic. And yeah, it's, it's a metaphor. We're not sh literally sheep, but the idea of hearing God is a literal experience that Peter and Cornelius are both having. Following Jesus is intimately connected to knowing his voice. And fourthly, if this is my favorite, if you're a follower of Jesus, are you, are you a follower of Jesus right now? Ask yourself, are you? Jesus is saying, it's because you already know my voice. You may not know it yet, but you are following me because you already know my voice. That's what he's saying. Look at the passage. Look right there. He walks ahead of them. So this is really about, he gathers them, you're coming to faith, but then how is the rest of the life with Jesus gonna be lived out? He's gonna walk ahead of you and you're gonna follow, why? Because you follow him right now, you're here in this room because you know his voice. And that should comfort you. Now, maybe you're like, yeah, but man, I don't know where I heard his voice. I didn't even realize it, that's okay. Because when my child was born, 
And the nurse had my son and he was over there and they were doing his thing. I'm looking at my wife and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. You know, I'm kind of loud, you know. And my child just turns. There's a lot of noise. There's like machines making noises. The nurses are making noise. And my son's across the room and I look up. I just happen to look up. It's like a little God moment thing, right? And my son, the minute I, I said, you know, his name, Diego, my son, my baby, my little newborn just turns and looks at me and fixes on me. He doesn't know me yet. He's, he doesn't know what I look like. He's never really met me, but he knows my voice, and so do you. You know his voice a lot better than you realize because you're here today. Now, the second principle of hearing God's voice and uh, that we can get from this passage is in verse two. So maybe you're like, okay, okay, okay. Maybe I can hear his voice. God has no favorites. It's not just for apostles and New Testament writers. Maybe this really is for anybody like Cornelius. It's for me. Maybe I can hear God's voice. How do I begin to put myself in a place where I can hear God's voice? Because I'm not hearing him that much lately. Look at verse two. Cornelius, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed. Everyone say continually. Now that's a really important word. He prayed continually to God. I want to pause on that. Let's zoom in on this word for a minute. Different Bibles translate this word continually, well, as continually, regularly, constantly. And in the paraphrase message, had the habit of praying, which I think captures the idea that Cornelius had a habit of regular prayer. We see that with Peter as well in verse nine. Look at verse nine. Peter went up on the housetop and in about the sixth hour to pray, the sixth hour is 12 noon. It's one of the three set periods of time when Jews would pray. It wasn't a spontaneous time to go pray. It was when Jews prayed, meaning it was a regular habit of his life to go pray. So what's my point? Well, what do Peter and Cornelius have in common? They don't have Jesus in common. There's a lot they don't have, but they are both people who pray regularly. So here's the point. God is more easily heard by those who are committed to a lifestyle of prayer and obedience, even if you're not a believer. Even if you don't know Jesus, even if you're not a Christian, as you begin to pray, somehow that prayer will begin to, it begins to position you in a way that you're more likely to hear from God. Cornelius is not a Christian. Do you see that? He's not. Yes, he's got some kind of idea of Yahweh, but he's not a Christian. He does not know Jesus, which is why Peter sent. And yet by praying and having a, a regular habit of not only praying, but maybe acting on what is prompted by him in prayer, he positions himself to hear from God. Now, here's my, what I want to say about that. It's not that if we pray more, we are more acceptable to God, but that by praying more, God becomes more acceptable to you. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, does that really connect? Listen to that. You are not becoming more acceptable to God because you pray more. The reason why you're more likely to hear God is because God and what he has to say is becoming more acceptable to you. Because when we do begin to let God speak, he's gonna interrupt your life and the way that you've set it up. He's gonna become a little inconvenient and you can really see that with Peter. Going to Cornelius' home is, is like the last thing he would have wanted 
to do. Look at this next quote. I had discovered, this is Andy Crouch, 12-year editor of Christianity Today. He writes, I discovered how inconvenient it can be. Everyone say inconvenient. inconvenient. Yeah, come on. Inconvenient. It can be when God actually does speak. Yeah, you know, sometimes God speaks and he does give you a warm fuzzy. But sometimes it's not warm and fuzzy and it's inconvenient because it's coming up against your little boundaries and your little plan. Inconvenient, that is, to my own plans for Godhood. Because God is gonna interrupt your control over your life. Because going to... uh, Cornelius' house is the last thing that Peter wants to do. Did I tell you about being at the pancake house yet? I was at the pancake house. I forgot to tell you at the beginning of the message. I was at the pancake house. Anyone love bacon? Come on, come on. Bro, you love bacon, dude? Come on. Come on, get your hands up. You love bacon. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Bacon, dude. You want the thickest, juiciest bacon? Go to the pancake house. I'm serious. It's the most insane bacon in the world. And my friend and I had just finished eating some bacon and we were hanging out outside just kind of getting ready to say our goodbyes. And a friend of my, uh, my friend Eric shows up and Eric starts going, hey bro, how you doing? I remember your leg was hurting and his friend says to him, man, my leg is in so much pain. It hurts more now than ever. And uh, there was this, he said that and there was like this awkward silence, like a two second silence. He's looking at me, I'm kind of looking at him and I'm looking at my friend and my friend's looking at me and he's looking at his friend and we're like, oh man, hey, sorry, bro. Hope it gets better. All right, see ya, we leave. And then I just get this crazy inconvenient thought that kind of just comes alongside my thought that just says, go in and pray for him. I was like, oh. Now I know you're thinking, oh, this guy gets up there and he teaches. This guy would, why? Of course he would do that. No, 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 you don't know me then. I, I, I hate making people feel uncomfortable. I don't, I just, I'm a relational person and the last thing I want to do is make someone feel awkward and be that weird Christian guy that's coming in. Hey, let's heal people. Woo! You know, that's like the last thing I want to do in the pancake house. <laughs> and so my friend's a lawyer and I'm thinking, this guy's rational, analytical. He is going to talk some sense into me and pull me away from the cliff. And I go, bro, I think I'm, I got this idea that maybe I should go in and pray for him to be healed. My friend goes, oh yeah, you need to do that. I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, I seriously, I said that to him and he said that to me. And so now I'm really stuck and I can feel like ice go through my veins. Like this, the fear of what I'm about to do hits me. And I kind of just stood, stood there like, oh my gosh, am I really going to do this? When we let God speak to us, um, he's going to begin to prompt things in our life to do things we would never do on our own. And that is what is so transforming about following Jesus is that he's gonna get you on a track in your life to do things that are so counterintuitive to the way you would do things. And if you're not willing to let God do that in your life, your life, well, you're gonna just get the best you can with what you've got. And that is so much less than what God has created you for. But the best of what God has for you is painfully inconvenient to the plans that you've created for yourself. And sometimes the moments in our life where the status quo of your life 
is getting shaken up. Something as simple as a breakup with you and if someone you thought you were gonna marry or your career or something in your family or in your health and you think, man, this is the worst thing that could happen. Like Peter's feeling right now going to this house There are moments where maybe God is breaking into our life to speak to us, to get us off the track of our plans that we've been stuck in so that we can get into the plan that he has. It's so much bigger than anything we would ever even have the courage to do on our own strength. And you don't get there by being super smart and knowing all the Greek in this Bible, you have to begin to let God speak to you and take what's here and give you the courage to see what he's telling you to do in a moment that you would never do on your own. And that's what we see happening to Peter. Prayer makes what God has to say to us more acceptable. Prayer is the spiritual gateway, is the, is, the, is the gateway spiritual practice to all the different ways that God communicates to us in ways that energize and catalyze a dynamic in our life that is supernatural. And what is supernatural about Peter and Cornelius? Peter does not levitate, whoa, I'm in the spirit, look at me, I'm levitating, you know, and floating to Cornelius' house. You know, to you know, he doesn't teleport there. He doesn't do anything crazy. The supernatural part is he's talking to somebody he would never talk to. And we're going to come back to that next week. So you got to hear that message. But what ways does God speak to us? Look at the, I got eight. Maybe you made your little list of three. Look, I want you to add maybe some of the ones I got here. Visions and trances, based on this passage. Angels. Yeah, one time I was like, God, I would love to see angels. I was reading through the whole Bible in a year. I'm like, angels are everywhere, you know? And I'm just like, man, God, you know, Jesus, I'm not trying to like, comp- I don't want to compete with you. You're, you're more than enough. But man, angels are everywhere. I would just love to see an angel. It's one of those stupid moments with God. We are like, that would be so cool. I know it's super immature. It's not godly. It's not, it's not for any noble reason. I would just love to see an angel. I just told God that. And um, I'm literally just praying. I'm like, you know, God, I would just love to see an angel. And my phone rings right there. I kid you not. Boom. My phone rings. It's my, and my wife says, hey, Ryan, you got to talk to your son. I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm not even exaggerating when I say it was like that. And my son gets on the phone. He's like, hey, Papa. I go, hey, what's up, buddy? He's like, well, we're driving. And right now I can see an angel outside the window of our car. He's five years old. So God's like, hey, I'm not going to show you, but I'll show your son, you know. <laughs> You're not ready yet. <laughs> I know. What do you make of that? I don't know. He speaks to us in prayer. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. I think that's the inner voice that Mark is talking about. That's the Holy Spirit. Through people. Through gifts of the Spirit. This is all in the passage. Because Peter wouldn't have understood what the spirit, the vision, if it hadn't been for what Cornelius told him. Because remember, he says, look at what he says. He says, um, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. It's after he's heard Cornelius share his story. Circumstances, there's a voice, but let me add that the Bible is God's permanent address for his voice. One thing I love to do when it comes to hearing God's voice is I love to just open the scriptures, get some worship music on, and I just love to read the gospels. And you know what? One time I was doing that, and I was just like, 
imagining one of the scenes I was reading about. I want you to listen to this real quick. I was just, I was reading this story about Jesus, you know, healing people in a crowd. And I just sat down, I put some worship music on and I just started to imagine the scene in detail as Luke had been describing it. And I'm just imagining Jesus, you know, healing people and the crowd and the sun at my back. And I just imagine myself with Jesus. I just kind of imagine, I'm just sort of behind him kind of peeking in and watching what he's doing. And I just see him heal this person. And I just imagine the look on this person's face as they're being healed. And then something really strange happens. In the middle of me doing this, you know, I get this image of Jesus just turning to me and looking at me. And even now, as I tell you, I get kind of choked up. A little bit with the emotion I get if I were to describe my wedding day to you, you know, when I looked at my wife and she was looking at me, I can still remember that. And he looks at me and I can't tell you how I know this is true, but it was like this image just started to unfold my mind that I wasn't totally manufacturing. And he, Jesus just smiles at me. And you know what he says? He says, it's really just that easy. And he turns and he puts his hand on this woman and he heals her. And she just lights up, you know, and she's just healed. And he looks at me and he goes, it's not complicated. I'm the one doing the work. You just got to obey me. And I kind of opened my eyes. I'm like, whoa, what was that about? You know, guys, I wasn't like unconscious, you know. I wasn't in some kind of third heaven. It was like just my thoughts just kind of got a little carried away like when you're daydreaming a little bit. A couple weeks later, I'm at the pancake house. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, you totally ambushed me, Lord. <laughs> so I walk into the restaurant. I walk across the room. Fortunately, the guy's still by himself because I really was nervous about him having a crowd of people there with him. And I walk over and I just say, hey, look, you know, bro, I don't want to make you uncomfortable or weird. You know, I just felt like God maybe wants to pray for me to pray for you, for your foot to be healed. And I tell him about God because I want him to know this is a God thing, not some weird new age thing, you know? So I'm like, can I pray for you? And he's like, yeah, okay. So I get down, I get his knee, his foot on my knee. I mean, it was just kind of awkward. I'm looking around. I'm like, here I go. Quietly, you know, Jesus, heal this guy's foot. In the name of Jesus, pain get out, foot be healed. And I make it a really short prayer because I'm a little, I'm, I'm really uncomfortable, you know, nervous, <laughs> straight up. And the guy looks at me and guess what? As I stand up, he stands up. And you know what he says to me? He says, my dad died last week. And, you know, these tears just start coming down his eyes and I'm like, whoa. I didn't expect him to say that. It's like this moment that I thought was going to be crazy awkward opens him up in a way where he's like sharing his heart with me. He wasn't like, oh man, get away from me, weird Christian person. You know, he's like, my dad died. And you know what I said to this guy? I said, man, I'm so sorry. And if your foot gets better, give me a call. And I leave. 
I just totally like, I have the football. There's no one in my way. It's the end zone. And I just like, and I just like eat it. And I just fumble the whole moment. Cause I think that if any of you had been there, you could have done a better job than me. Like, like how about like, man, that sounds really hard. Tell me more about that. It does, it, it's, that's not supernatural, is it? It's just like, man, I'm sorry. How are you doing? I was just so nervous. And you know what? When you start to hear God and do what you hear him telling you to do, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to kind of feel awkward. You're going to kind of mess it up and that's okay. You know, it's all right. You just remember Ryan and go, hey, because you know what? Even when we kind of mess up, if we're willing to be humble, go, yeah, I didn't do that right. I could, I need to do that better. God can work with you because you're a disciple, you're a learner, and you're not God. The Lord saith, I am the Lord, and I've said it, and it will come. No, dude, he doesn't need that. He just needs you to just be a little messenger. Hey, here's a little note. I think God loves you right now. Can I give that to you? Okay, hey, you know. And he can overcome our little mistakes. A week later, I'm getting ready to preach. No, it's a couple weeks later. I'm getting ready to preach on campus with students, and I get a text from my friend Eric, and he's like, hey, I just want you to know my friend texted me, because he didn't have my number, right? So I'm just like, see you, call me, you know? <laughs> you know, so awkward. And, you know, my, my, the text says, hey, my friend called me and said, tell your friend that the next day my foot felt better. Dude, this is not about you being some spiritual guru or having some cool method. It's about you realizing that God has no favorites and that your willingness to make room to hear God speak into your life on a daily, regular basis so that you can warm up to the things that he's gonna begin to wanna say to you. Because maybe you're like, well, I haven't heard God. A, are you listening? And B, are you willing to let God take time with you to get you ready to hear what he's about to say to you? Because see, you're thinking, oh, that would be so cool to hear God. Oh, it's going to be cool, all right. It's just that God's a lot cooler than you. And he's going to kind of be inconvenient. I want to invite the band to come on out. And as the band comes out, you know, some of you guys are like, man, this hearing God thing, man, I don't see that in the Bible. I want to encourage you, maybe this morning, to open up a little bit, you know, to the possibility that God is still speaking today and to get curious to be a Berean, get into the word and look into the scriptures for yourself. Number two, if maybe it's been a while since you've heard God's voice or you never have and you're like, man, you know, God, I wanna know that you in that intimate way, then turn your notes to the other side. Look at the other side of the notes really quick. Just humor me because I took time to make that stuff. So just take a look at it real quick. And I wrote out some ideas that you could take to open your life to hearing God's voice. All right. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.